You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 171, sponsored by Afro Samurai from Funimation, in stock trades, and Netflix. Wasn't ever obliged to lift me a buckle or rise. And once her eyes covered with flies, the pain she no longer disguised. When those Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 171. I am Josh. I am here with Connor. Hello. He's barely holding on, folks. Barely, uh, barely holding on. He came back, and then he, and then he, then he went back to the brink, as far as I understand. Yep. And then uh, Ron, too cool, too busy for the rest of us this week. So uh, we are honored to have Paul Montgomery. Fill what it up? up? What up? Oh, you're throwing a little of the hip-hop jargon, huh? Yeah. All right. That's cool. Trying. <laughs> you, you live in the mean streets, right? I do. Okay, that's cool. Paul is a staff writer at iFanboy.com, and we came up with iFanboy.com because we like comics. It's where we go to write about comics and talk about them. Every week, one of us reads their stack of comics and picks the best one that they had, the one in their mind that was the most fun read of the week, and that becomes the pick of the week. They write about it up on the website. Then we come here and talk about that book as well as other books from the week and various doodads and knickknacks. That's not the right word. Before we get to it, we're going to be talking about the books that came out this week. So if you haven't read them yet, we could possibly ruin them for you. And if you're Peter David, it's best to just turn it off and run away right now. That's, oh. that's what – oh, that's Ouch. right. Ouch. Ouch. Just don't. Like, Is he trying to put me out of business? Is that what he's trying to do? Apparently he's trying to put everybody out of business. Don't talk, Good about, Lord. Don't talk about my comic book ever. All right. No one will talk about it. <laughs> Done. Done. Used to want to talk about it all the time. Now I don't want to talk about it so much. What's that about? <laughs> Connor, you had the pick of the week, and I would say that you, the book you chose was as far from anything Peter David ever wrote as possible. It was a tough week. It was a lot of good, solid stuff. I had a lot of books. I had like 17 books. So That's the good kind of tough week. Yeah. Although, you know, someone's going to be disappointed, you know, so it's tough to do that. Even yourself <laughs> a little bit, because there's other books you, you know, you'd like to pick sure. a bunch of them. The best book I read was Scalped 25. Which was a surprise, considering there's lots of big Batman stuff, and apparently everybody assumes I'm always going to pick the big Batman books that come out, but that's not usually the case. Big surprise from Connor. Yeah, yeah. Surprise. The thing about Scalped, and I kept coming back, I read it really early in my stack, and then I kept coming back to it as I read more and more books, was that, and I wrote about it on the Pick of the Week review, is that when you open up an issue of Scalped, you never know what you're going to get. You never know <laughs> which character is going to be f- featured. You never know what, th- what the story is going to be. Like You know for the most part when you open up a Batman book or an X-Men book or whatever book, for the most part there's going to be some sort of adventure story with an arch nemesis or some, something. You, you can pretty much guess the formula. Whereas with Scalped, you literally never know. This is the beginning of a new storyline, a high lonesome part one. And it's a great po- point to jump on if you're thinking about buying the book. And we're, we're introduced to a completely new character, one we've never seen before, and we follow that person around, and we get to know him in a really short amount of time, and it's something you don't get in a lot of books. You don't open up a Batman and, and meet a new character, usually, and get to know them and follow them around. That's just not how it works. And this is something that's great about Scalp, and it's something that's fun about Scalp, is that you never know, and it's a surprise, and it's a nice surprise, and there's not a lot of surprises in comics, so that's one of the good things about the book in general. And one of the good things about this issue in general. And in this issue, a criminal, a con man, a grifter has come to come to the reservation to rip off the casinos with his ca- card counting and other various con artistries. And he descends into the world of the reservation 
And then at the end, you find out that he knows one of the main characters, and he's going to blackmail him into robbing the casino with him, and you just know that's going to go horribly. Mm-hmm. There's no other way for that to go. I love the atmosphere of this book. I love the fact that Jason Aaron is one of the few writers who can really delve into a character very quickly. I think he's like Garth Ennis in that sense, where he's very good, very fast at setting a tone and setting a world and setting the personality of this guy. I feel like I already know this guy, and it's only, it was only 22 pages. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the really strong things about the book. Every time this book comes out, it's either really good or great. And this was one of those great issues, I thought. That you know, just shows you what's so good about these kind of books that are not tied to anything but their own world. Mm-hmm. And the vision of one guy and the artist who is just, he just knocks out of the park, R.M. Gare, every time. You had some line about this being a grimy book. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but I was like, oh, that line could be on a book cover right there. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what you said. Some of it washing your hands and it being real grimy. And, and I think that that's actually a really good, it's funny, like when you see there's scenes in this book of them being in a motel room and it's just, like, it just feels as dirty and stinky as it is. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just... It's right there on the page. Like at one point, like the dude, like he, he throws a condom in the toilet and you're just yeah. like, Ugh, uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really makes you feel like that. And uh, Gera, by the way, can't draw a nipple without putting something through it. That's right. all. Anyway, uh, no, great. Yeah, great stuff. One of the, one of the things actually I thought was one of the best pages in this book, because you were, you were just talking about Gera, the page where the new main character, I don't know if he has a name. I don't think he does. You don't learn his real name. He gives lots of aliases. Right. The page where he notices the other character for the first time. If you just look at that page on itself as a, a bit of comic book storytelling with sort of very few words and they don't really show the guy in the background and just basically showing the guy's eyes, it's a beautiful, it's an amazing page. Right. I just sort of mm-hmm. caught myself looking at it where he notices what's going on, he looks up and it's just like, wow, that's, I mean, whenever we talk about craft and we talk about comic book storytelling, that's one hell of a page. Well, the character he notices is, is Dashiell Badhorse, who, when the book started, he was the main character. He was the undercover FBI agent who come, came to the reservation to take down Red Crow, the chief and the crime boss. And then at a certain point, the book shifted focus from Dashiell to Red Crow, and he was the main character for a while. And we, haven't, we haven't really seen Dashiell since that three-part storyline with the girl and the drugs. Yeah. Since then, we haven't really seen him, and even in that storyline, it was mostly about the girl. And then when he shows up at the end of this issue, it's kind of like, oh... Right, we haven't seen him in the context of the crime in a long time. Yeah, well, the the camera keeps switching around, right. you know, like. So it was a nice little surprise when he shows up, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I can't wait to see another Adashiel story because it's been a lot, it's been a while." And that was a good little thing to bring him back into the into the fold. Yeah. He apparently knows he busted this guy, so this guy knows he's an FBI agent, and he's going to either rat him out to Red Crow or get him to help him rob the casino. And you can just see in Adashiel's face, he's he's not going to take this. No, he this guy's going to get killed. <laughs> he's going to get killed something proper and if it's not by dash it's going to be by red crow or something like that and it's going to be it's going to be pretty sweet i really liked the intro of this book as a sort of a framing device mm-hmm. like it's just a very you know quick little refresher on on how the reservations and the native americans came to be there and then the introduction of the of the new character having a conversation that like where he seems like he's a teacher or whatever and then he gives them a name, and they sort of how they indicate that it's a fake name. It was just good stuff. Was, yeah. Paul, you bought this, right? Yes, I did. I don't usually get uh, scalped an issue, but I wanted to pick this up because it's the first issue in a, in a new arc, and um, it reminded me a lot of Criminal taken to the next step, sort of like as malicious as Criminal gets, it doesn't go quite this far. And I think the the reason that that is is Aaron's really great with interior monologue and, and getting into the voice of the character, and 
the thing that's so dark about this book is that you see what this character is is saying to other characters and, and how he's relating to them, but you also get the back and forth, like what what his his thought process is. So you you sort of see the the lies and then what he really means, and it's just it's a great character issue. And it's, I think it's a, it's a really great introduction to the book. If people are reading Criminal and liking that, there's no reason that they, they wouldn't like Scout. So I think it's, it's a great one to pick up. It's funny you mentioned Criminal because this is the week that Incognito came out. We'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, reading this and then reading Incognito made me miss Criminal even more. It's like there are, there are very few of these high-profile just crime books. And even though Incognito is fine on its own, I kind of miss Criminal more so because it was one of the top you know, crime stuff. And it's, yeah. yeah. Now that that's on whatever shelf it's on, it's sort of even more sad, makes Scalp mm-hmm. even more special that it's really the only one left that I'm reading that's this good. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I really like when you talk about the character stuff is the internal monologue for a little bit, mostly when he's, the guy's referring to the hooker. And like, yeah. there's the one scene where his, his monologue is, I hate you, I'm going to kill you, you're horrible. And then, like, a couple of pages later, he switches over and, and, like, his internal monologue's going completely the opposite way. Like, I want you to love me, please, you know. I thought it was really a neat thing because it would be so easy to make the character one-dimensional or, you know, but still have him be fairly interesting. And then all of a sudden, like, he, he gives us a glimpse into the guy's personal weakness as well. That I, I, I really enjoyed that sort of other side of it also. The level of skill and craft involvement is such a yeah. wonder to behold that it was... Every time I finish a book, I think, yeah, I enjoyed Scalped more. And mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it's a testament to it because it really was a hell of a week. I mean, I read a lot of really good comic books this week, and it, you know, that was what stood out to you. And that's uh-huh. not to say it wasn't a difficult decision. There was a bunch of other books that could have made the, the cut, and Batman 686 was one of them. Basically, this is the, this is the wrap-up. This is the end, Neil Gaiman, Andy Kubert, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader issue that sort of wraps up Bruce Wayne for now. Mm-hmm. And it was a sort of a tour de force look back on 60, 70 odd years of Batman. Really skillfully done. I was thinking about why it wasn't pick of the week. Cause, because when I finished it, it wasn't. I think because in a week with two Peter Tomasi books that came out, the last issue of Nightwing, which was 153, and Batman and the Outsider special, Tomasi really nails those emotional moments. He's got mm-hmm. a really good handle on these characters and their their interpersonal relationships, and he really nails those those ones that really get you in the heart. And I think what was missing from Batman was that really strong emotional hit, whereas it was really interesting and really really well done and a really s- clever way of looking back on so much history. For me, that wasn't there, there wasn't a moment to rival moments in the other two books that really got you in the in the heart. That's interesting. I finished this book, and once I was going a little bit, and I sort of, you know, like it took a little bit to figure out what it was I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was odd, not in a bad way. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm getting into this. And then by the end, like to me, I thought it, it built. Like at first, I was like, it's kind of interesting. And then it was a little more interesting. And then by the end, I was like, oh. And I'm, I'm actually, I was actually, I was, I finished it, and I was like, no way, this isn't Connor's pick. I didn't read those other two books, so I don't know. But I was incredibly impressed by this. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. And I've never read the Superman one, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. So I, I assume this is somewhat loosely based on Alan Moore's story. It's thematically similar. Okay. Thematically, yeah. I mean, basically, like, it's, a, it's like a fictitious funeral, basically, that's taking place inside somebody's mind. And it goes through all these different versions of the characters. I think that's what I really liked was the grabbing of the different characters. The funeral scene was awesome with all the the animated Joker and then the comic (laughs) book Joker and all these different 
characters from the different incarnations of Batman. It was it was a great look back if you're a fan of Batman and all the different medium and all the different worlds he's taking place in. It was a great the, the Catwoman story. It goes from the funeral to a Catwoman story, which is purely out of the Golden Age mm-hmm. from the Bob Kane era when she wore that ridiculous cat mask. And then the second story where we possibly that, Alfred was responsible for all the supervillains. I love story. I loved that story. I was that's, like, that was that's the one that makes it. That page where he puts the makeup on, I mean, was spectacular. The, but the thing that actually really took the cake for me on this one, the writing was fine. This was maybe my favorite thing that I've ever read that Andy Kubert did. I mean, I thought really strong he was, because he's drawn nothing else for four years. I get it. He's been. Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, but like this was beautiful art. I mean, really clean where it needed to be and like evoking the different ages and the different styles. And I was in love with the art in this book. Well, apparently the Cooper brothers got together and decided Alfred shouldn't be bald anymore. Eh. Not only does he have hair in this one, but in Adam, Adam, Adam Cooper, Outsiders. Outsiders special, and he drew him with a thick, full head of lustrous hair, which really threw me off the entire issue, <laughs> which is just wrong. But it was really strong, and I wanted to talk about the other Batman books in conjunction because they were, they were really all related in a way. Nightwing was the wrap-up. It was very strong, but I thought it wasn't as strong as the other wrap-up that I picked last time as the pick of the week. Right. Although there was a really nice moment where... Nightwing is leaving his life in New York to come back to Gotham, and he's packing up his life, and the Justice Society is helping him, and, and he's going to go to Gotham, and F- F- Wally West shows up and says, do you want me to run you down there? And he says, no, I'm going to take the train, and they recreate the page from Batman Year One, where Jim Gordon comes in on the train. They recreate it almost panel for panel, mm-hmm. which was a nice nice touch, but the, I thought the rap the last time was stronger, and Batman the Outsiders had probably the best sequence of the week where... Alfred watches one of those, if you're watching this video, I'm dead things from Bruce Wayne, and he says, I was lucky to have two fathers, and then he calls him dad, mm-hmm. and Alfred starts well, crying, and that was just like the gut punch of the... But didn't Alfred know he's not dead? No, Alfred doesn't, no one knows where the, the Omega effect, everyone thinks he's, he's gone. Everybody. Oh, right, 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 sorry, no, I yeah. was getting mixed up with the other Final Crisis yeah. thing. Paul, are you, are you reading any of this stuff, all of it? Um, I, I read uh, Batman and the Outsiders, Okay. and I thought that was really interesting, and, and interesting visually, too. Everything's all horizontal. Yeah. Alfred going to meet all the different members of the Outsiders that he's reforming, I guess. Yeah, I think the best part was that Alfred section in the beginning, and uh, it was just a really touching thing. Yeah, it was and, a really and, like, gut-punch moment. It was goodbye, Dad. Mm-hmm. And he looks, yeah. And- Sad and Alfred's wiping away tears. And the idea is that the outsiders are important, and there's a reason why that we don't know, but he told Alfred. And so Alfred is now reforming the outsiders. He's going to be like the man behind the outsiders, which I think is a really cool concept. I can't remember what's his actual history or what was his Elseworlds history anymore. Like, it's so mixed up. But wasn't he, he was a MI6? That was Trinity. I don't know. The thing with Alfred is he's had such a different. His history is whatever this requires of the story. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's had a million jobs, and they were all relevant to whatever story that was being told. Right. He was an actor. He was a, he was a spy. He was, you know, it's just like, it depends on what they need him to be. But, yeah, they can basically do, do that if they want to. I believe he played the saloon owner in The Quick and the Dead. Or maybe that was the movie, <laughs> Alfred. I may be bringing Michael Goff in here. I believe he recently deceased. Anyway. So it's two good issues from Tomasi. And Three. Again, if we'll talk about the other later. Right. And Batman was really, really strong. I gave, I gave it five stars. It was just missing that one emotional hook to get me on, to really get me. And I think it might come in the second part when we find out more about what's going on. And also when it gets more into, I guess, what will be mo- modern age, so it's a little more... I mean, I've, read, I've read the old stuff. I've read the old Catwoman. No, no, I know that. Well, that's one of the reasons that I thought you would, it would, you would really dig it because it was 
a nod to that that stuff, you know, yeah, and you can notice those, immediately. Those pencils in the back are amazing. Dude, he mm-hmm. could win an Eisner for this book. Kubert, I'm thinking. Anyway. It was a really strong book. The other book that was close was Captain Britain and MI6, number 10. This is a giggle out loud as you read through it, like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. several times during this book. I had so much fun reading this book. Well, this was um, the Dracula issue, where Dracula is now targeting England, I guess, all of England. He wants England. Yeah. And in a bastard move, he and Doom have a meeting on the moon, and he just starts wiping away the footprints of the, of the astronauts, which I was like, you I don't think son I, of a bitch. I don't think I even noticed that. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, this was just one of those wacky Paul Cornell... Like his personality is so in this in this issue. Where it's just it's funny, it's crazy. There's vampire missiles that are shot out of the moon, which, <laughs> which was nuts. It was and literally the the most uh, sentimental blade I've ever seen him ever. The only blade I've ever seen ever. I guess <laughs> nothing to gauge it on. I mean, like I think he even makes a comment on it where basically. Because most people know the movie version, to be completely honest, you know, and he's been in comics here and there, but they were never a big deal. And he's just like somewhere along the line, I got real melodramatic. Like, and it's almost he's almost reclaiming the character and just like, you know what? No, let's make him a real person instead of a silly. Maybe they'll give him a real haircut too. Are those tattoos? Those must be tattoos. I believe it's his hair. I don't know. Either way, it's not good. I think they're tattoos. But it's basically this issue: Doctor Doom and Dracula are teaming up to, or Doom's helping in the background to to take control of England. Uh, from the moon. I love how the Dracula, there's no concessions at making him a modern, believable Dracula. No, they rev- in- he revels in it, which is great. Yeah, he's yeah. classic, chain on the cape, you know, silly, double, triple, whatever, how many breasted suit that is. Like, he's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was, I thought, a really good jumping on point. You know, if you want to know what this book's about. Some interesting character revelations. All sorts of stuff happened in this book. And also the art was Real strong. really really strong, really clean. I just thought that there were places where the pages were allowed to breathe and there were places where they weren't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a lot of information there, but it didn't feel cluttered. Um, I don't know if it was a new colorist or not, but the colors seemed even different. Yeah. Which was good. This was my favorite issue since the first couple. Uh-huh. This was a really strong one. This was one of the better ones. Yeah. Also continues in the legacy of Dracula being like a huge racist. <laughs> from from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah, because now he's against Islam, and that's one that's one of the things that's really interesting about this book is that Cornell's going through all different corners of the Marvel universe. I mean, you got Wakanda in here, and there's there's all interesting things like you have Dracula, Doctor Doom, the Moon, all the different religious stuff with the steward and and uh, is it the Black Knight? Yeah, 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 Black Knight. Yeah, and it's and you know Christianity and Islam and stuff like that. So it's a lot of really interesting themes and, and a lot of interesting things going on in the book. So it's it's unlike anything else. It's a Johnsian effort at juggling, mm-hmm. if I may say so. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, you're, you're right. There's a ton of stuff going on, but it doesn't feel overburdened. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff Johns to me is the master of that right now, but it's, it's up there. Johnsian. Can I? Vampire missiles from yeah. the moon. That's the high concept. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a B movie, but it works. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the Dracula is ridiculous. It's, he's ridiculous, but in a good way. Yeah. <clears throat> but also dangerous. You know, like he wasn't silly. It was, didn't, I didn't feel like it was George Harrison. Not George Harrison. That's wrong. George Hamilton. <laughs> that's right. I also did not feel as if it was George Harrison. Hold on. I'm going to get my sit You did have John Lennon in the scroll for a while, so that makes sense. It's dead George now, Harrison though. the Dracula. It's gone. It's completely gone. <laughs> it was a big week for Dark Horse people. Yeah, it was. Um, Paul, why don't you tell us about Hellboy? Okay, we got the third of eight issues of Hellboy and the Wild Hunt. 
And this is more goodness from Mike Mignola and Duncan uh, Figredo. And what's really cool about this is that he's tying in elements from all the previous Hellboy Every- stories. Everything's coming together. And, and what I really love about Hellboy right now is that previously done all the all the other different uh, mythological cultural stuff like there's he, he's done his take on mermaids and vampires and witches and and different gods from different countries and, and and different folklores and and now it's all coming together into its own hellboy mythology like everything is coalescing which is it's really exciting so it's it's not just like we always talk about how you can you can just pick up hellboy and, and read it and it's it's its own experience now it's sort of like building and, uh, and that's really interesting. Although, Josh, you're reading this having not read Darkness Calls, which is sort of the sequel to Darkness Calls. Yeah. Um, and you're still enjoying it. So that, I'm, so I'm doing fine. I mean, the thing is they yeah. reference other stuff. They re- reference much older Hellboy stories too. I mean, basically the, the point of Hellboy is, in case you're following along, is that he's supposed to be the Doombringer. He's supposed to be – he's like the son of Satan who shows up and he signals the end of the world, except he is a character who goes – I'm not going to do that. And basically, it's time to pay the bill. And, you know, something has to happen soon, which I think is nice because the fact is dude's been wandering around for, you know, 15 years real time. And Mm -hmm. maybe there will be some closure to this story that's been going on for such a long time or at least an advancement of it, which I think is a good – because he feels like for a a while he'd been meandering, which I – you know, which is fun. But if this is going to actually, you know, wrap up some of the storylines or or move things along, I'm I'm all for that. And there's a pretty Irish girl in it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. That's from the the corpse story from the third trade. You can check that out. That's a short short story. I mean, what was that like yeah. maybe five pages or something like that? But it's come back so many times. It's it's one of the big ones though. It's one of the really yeah. important ones and and one of the favorites. And now we finally get to see what happened to that baby that he rescued in that story. So cool stuff. On the same note, BPRD, the Black Goddess number two came out. And again, I I only started reading this on the last mini. And basically, the, this BPRD is a series of minis. So I don't know what number they're actually up to. I got to say, the thing that impressed me the most about this book, I keep beating on about this, was a really good week for it, but the storytelling in this book was amazing. Mm. I mean, there's a page where, I, I've, I've just been paying attention to this kind of thing a lot lately. There's a page where all these soldiers are standing outside this giant wall in the middle of the tundra, or wherever the hell they are, and he leads three of them, Abe and Kate and, who's the other person? Doesn't matter. Leads them into this doorway, and they said, and Abe's like, I, I guess you want us to leave your leave our guns. And, and, the, and the, you know, the creepy Chinese dude's like, what do I want with your guns? And they go into a hallway, and then they sort of show an overhead shot of a maze, and the next panel is, no one got lost. And I was just like, that was the most economical and perfect page ever. It set up the tone. It set up, it's like, it set up everything about what you need to know about that scene in one page, and it covered a ton of ground without wasting a single bit of space. It's just one of the things that I noticed going through this, and that happened several times throughout this book. It was all done in a way, so all the panels on the top of the page were really tall and big, and then there was a squishier one on the bottom. There was like a really nice airiness to this, to this book. Besides that, the plot moved along really nicely, and it's, it's, it's interesting. And you really, whereas um, Hellboy's a little more, what's the word I'm looking for? Not straightforward, maybe? Leisurely? It's maybe. Linear. It's not linear. It's not. This book, like, is pretty, pretty straightforward. It's pretty standard in, in a way it's telling its story. It's these people, they care about each other, the emotions are there on the page, like Liz is in trouble, and it turns out that the enemy may not actually be the enemy because there's something far worse going on, and then yeah. in the end, all hell breaks loose. And, you know, you know, very typical, but great, just a great comic book, I thought. Mm-hmm. Great issue of a comic book. I was really, really enjoyed that one, as I just said. Well, good. Yes. I've been reading that in trades and going slowly through them. You're, you're probably not caught up to where I started then. No, I'm only at two or three, I think. 
Mm. I may have to read those sometimes. They're good. It's very good. Moves at a really nice clip, too. Cool. And now, Afro Samurai. Afro Samurai! Samuel L. Jackson returns in the sequel to the best-selling anime of 2007, Afro Samurai Resurrection. Afro Samurai avenged his father and found a life of peace, but a beautiful and deadly woman is forcing him back into the game. Starring Samuel L. Jackson and Lucy Liu, with new beats from the RZA featuring two hours of extras. Get the Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. Afro Samurai Resurrection. One brother, one path, 1,000 deaths. Visit AfroSamurai.com for more details. If that hasn't got you excited for Afro Samurai Resurrection, I don't know what possibly could. It's one brother, one path, 1,000 deaths. I saw the first Afro Samurai. There is a lot of killing. There's an enormous amount of blood, and Samuel L. Jackson plays more than one character. So there's all sorts of Sam Jackson, too. Plus, the new beats from the RZA. Music actually very, very good in them, too. Two hours of extras. You can get the Blu-ray or the DVD right now. Go to AfroSamurai.com for more details. Samurai! The big 600th issue of Thor. My pick of the week. I actually really like this a lot. Bullshit. That's um, 600, by the way. I wrote about this. I fanboy. Don't care. They can't, um, have, they can't have it both ways. Oh, they do. If you got to renumber it, then you got to renumber it. Stick to your guns. You can't have. You can't renumber your book to get the sales bump and then also revel in the 600 number. Well, you know the bad part about it is it's the same guy. It'd be one thing if like one EIC came along yep. and was like, "We're starting him over again." The next guy comes back and goes, "You know what? No, let's put him back." It's the same guy. Yeah. So this is my pick of the week. It's the word number 600. And you get a lot of bang for your buck, and it's it's good because it's five bucks. Wasn't it like and three issues long or something like that. Like, I think it's a really long regular issue, and then there's a, a backup by Stanley, which is new material with art by David Aha Aja Aha, uh, which is a fun word. And there's a, there's a really great mini Marvels thing in here about uh, how uh, Thor has been away for so long, and and he comes back and he has to deal with Clore and, and all the uh, secret invasion stuff, and it's, it's really funny. But anyways, this this is a gorgeous book. I read the first trade of Thor and, and really enjoyed it. Um, I still have to get caught up on that second batch of issues, but this is a great jumping on point. Basically, Thor kills his grandfather by accident and is cast out of Asgard, so the new status quo is that Thor is no longer invited back into the, the cool godly place and is out in Midgard, I guess, which is everybody else. Yeah, so it's it's a great place to start, and it's it's got a just a beautiful fight scene between Thor and his grandfather, uh, Bor, and yeah, B-O-R, which is uh, father of Odin. Uh, basically, Loki has, has uh, resurrected Bor and uh, tricked him into thinking that the, the real world is much scarier than it really is. And he goes on a rampage. And Thor goes to stop it. They don't know each other because they've never met. And Thor accidentally kills him. And they actually bring in the Dark Avengers. Nice little cameo there. And it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful fight scene. Great storytelling. And it's, it's a whole lot of fun. So I'm actually I'm going to be reading this in issues now. Bor will just drone on and on. That's what Bor does. <laughs> he pun- speaks in like runes. It's cool. You just punned. I did pun. Oh, His God. name is a pun. How could I not? I, I've got to say it's killing me that I'm not reading this book. But I, I, I can't. I can't. It's just. It's good. It's really. It's really good. I'm gonna enjoy it while it lasts. You wait. You wait. Some shit's gonna. There will be clones. There will. Can't you just live in the moment? Ah. Too many. No day but today, Josh. No day but today. Too many times. No. Josh, I was surprised that you picked up Green Lantern Corps 33 because I was resigned to the fact that I was gonna be the only one to read it. I had been feeling guilty about it, and I I picked and I've been thinking about picking it up, but it was always like this is the end of a story. It was in the middle of a story, and so every every time it comes out, I pick it up and I look at it and I think, can I get on here? And it looked like it said, you know, prelude to Blackest Night. I thought, you know what, this is probably a good one. 
And it looked like this was either the epilogue to the last thing that happened, yes, I guess. It was. Yeah, which was good. So I, I sort of got what happened. I, I really enjoyed this. It was, this was good. I did, in fact, get that Kyle Rayner fix that you had said I would enjoy. Yeah. It's a really nice companion to the whole Green Lantern saga, and it really fleshes out what's going on around Kyle Jordan and not you know, to him, to the rest of the mm-hmm. core. And this is where you're really getting a lot of the other Lantern stuff, a lot of the other yeah. pink, pink Lantern stuff going on in here. And the whole idea that they've Guardians of Band love amongst the Green Lantern Corps, so 200 Green Lanterns quit. Mm-hmm. So now, they're, now the Green Lantern Corps has been decimated because Guardians said no more love Dr. Jones. Not since uh, James Tiberius Kirk has a man loved so many weird-skinned females <laughs> as Kyle Rayner. I know he's got green. Now he's rolling with orange. Uh, it was a white chick early on. She got put in a refrigerator. Yeah. I really yeah. like the ending, too, where in order to honor the dead, he's going to do a giant mural. That was a really nice. I loved that he went with the artist thing because that gets dropped sometimes. And like to find out he had a secret stash of really disgusting drawings of other people having been killed and not creep out on them, I thought was a good move. But yeah, like watching all the Green Lanterns try to get together and paint without using their rings was funny. Yeah. We're doing this real. Oh, can't we use our rings? No. It was a nice little character stuff. and I, It's a really good, if you're really into the Green Lantern story, it really can't hurt to read this. It really flushes everything no. out. And the, and the big, you know, the big, you know, image at the end of the black paint having been spilled with the different colors of paint, you know, yeah. ominous portent. Trouble's coming. Eventually. Trouble's a brewing. No, oh, good stuff. I'm glad I picked it up. I will keep reading it. Made me want to read the ones that came before, yeah. to be honest with you. Incognito uh, number two. Yeah. It was it. better. Yeah, it was much better than the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, it really is like I'm like, why are you playing around with this capes and costume stuff? Do you really? I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I just don't feel like his heart's completely in it. Like it's good. It's not bad. It's weird because he doesn't write it any differently than Criminal. It feels like a Criminal issue, but it's got this stuff shoehorned into it. Yeah, maybe that's it. I just don't feel like it's necessary. Yeah. And I wonder if like if he really likes to do this or if it's like I mean this is second guessing them entirely. He says I don't know. he's had this story in his head for a while, and clearly he likes writing superheroes from all the stuff he does in Marvel. You know what? It's, not, it's not Sleeper, and it's not Criminal. Yeah. It's slightly yeah. lesser than both of those. You know what I mean? Yep. And, it's uh, a weird hybrid of the two. Yeah, and, and I want one or either of those, but I don't necessarily want both. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to sound like, it was good. It was really just one of the best books I read this week, easily. You know, but I don't know if it was exactly it's, what I want. It's interesting. It's just, it's just not as exciting. And I feel like every time a new criminal story arc starts, it's really exciting. And I'm really mm-hmm. into it right away. And with this, I'm just like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, I think it is that it reminds me so much of those other things. But it's, it's not. I, I just want it to be something different. And it, well, that's it what, I, what I said in the beginning where, you know, Scalped reminded me that Criminal wasn't around is that Criminal right. and Scalped are unique, you know. Mm-hmm. And while there's nothing else exactly like Incognito, it's still superheroes, which is most of the other books I read. So You know what this is missing at this point? I mean, do you remember reading Sleeper, like how edge of your seat that book was? Yeah. I mean, like every, there, was, there was crushing death and tension on every page. And this, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not the same. Again, it's better than most everything, and this is the toast of the internet, you know, among, it appears. But it's, it's not quite doing it for me, but it's better. It's good. I definitely liked this one more than the first one, which is, I also liked, but this was hmm. a step up. We're so spoiled. How do, do we know how long this is going? Eight? Six? I don't know. It was good. It was a great cover. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Definitely. I would be remiss without mentioning what would be my pick of the week this week would be Fables number 81. 
which doesn't say fables. It's just, oh, yes, it does in very tiny letters. This is the culmination for one of the characters. I, I got to be honest, the arc before this one I didn't like so much because it was plodding around a little bit, trying to get everybody to move to the next stage or where they needed to be. I think it was a lot of just technical. They had to do this stuff to get to the next point. But they've sorted it out now, and sort of the, the big new bad guy has come along. And then there was basically one of the main characters who is who – is, and if you read this, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you're, you're not, then I'm not going to spoil it for you. The guy who was probably my favorite character from my favorite arc died. And it was it was like crushing because you had thought everything was okay and then he's slowly wilting away over the course of the last like five or six issues. And like he's a guy who you really – like at first he didn't seem like a big deal – and then he was, and then you liked him a lot, and then you find he's like one of the most noble characters in the whole thing, and he dies at the very end, and like the last pa- the last page is a shot of his grave it is incredibly touching. Like I can literally like I'm getting a little goosebumpy now looking through it, looking at the last page, and like I had to put the book down like after I was done with it, and I was totally like choked up and and like I had tears. I'm not kidding. Like this was a fantastic, fantastic issue, and it it shows that there's more places to go still. And so that was that was was it Humpty Dumpty? It was it was not. He's in Jack of Fables actually. He's not in Fables. Was it the clock from Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, I love that clock. Okay. <laughs> when when the when the time goes off on that clock, I literally I just can't take it. I love the clock. <laughs> Is James Jean still doing covers? I believe this. Let's see. I can't tell. I think he was stopping around like 80 or something. Yeah. The new person didn't look a lot different from him from what I remember. There's a lot of things on this cover and I can't read. But yeah, it's a James Jean cover. It's John Jean. James's (laughs) twin brother. Jimmy and Johnny. They're virtually identical. But our opinions are not the only ones that matter. So we like to get a couple of user reviews and take some highlights from there. So Paul, start us off. Sure. Okay, from Super Chuck, I uh, reviewed Action Comics 874, gave the story a 4 out of 5, and the art a 4 out of 5. Nobody's pick of the week at this time. I'm just pumped to have Zod back, especially as a complex character who's not just evil, though Superman seems to think otherwise. We know Superman will be proven right in the end, but it'll be interesting to explore his motivations throughout world of New Krypton. The complexities involved with there being a whole planet of Kryptonians alive are what really make this a treat. I haven't read all the old Silver Age stories where Superman goes back in time to Krypton, but I got the sense that every time he went, Krypton was always this utopia. This story is proving much more interesting than that. I gave this book a one. Oh. That was me. <laughs> that, was yeah. not, that was not Super yeah. Chuck. You gave it a four out of five. Uh, I, I hated it. Really? But that's, that's all right. I really uh, enjoyed I don't know, the it's, story. I think Pablo Ramondi's not a good choice. To, it's, to it could have been that. I, th- I think it highlighted the dialogue was a little weak, I thought. And it just, I, I think it, it hurts from comparison to Jeff John's action comics. It did a lot in this issue. Like, there was, like, several different... It was different... really setting up two or three books with this one issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what kind of bugged me, and I'm looking at it right now from the very beginning, is the first sort of double-page spread is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Kryptonians trying to take him down. Where, like, a page or two later, they mentioned the fact that He's just normal like everybody else. Well, that's if you ever see the cops try to take somebody down in the news. Yeah, somebody that's really bit, pissed takes like five cops. I mean, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's, I know. That's pretty normal. But if they were actually trying to highlight the fact that he was just normal, like, wouldn't it have been more effective to have just one bigger dude take him down? No, uh, that's, what, that's what I mean. Is like if you see a crazy man on the street, yeah. the cops would take him down. Take six cops to bring him down. That's just if somebody's crazy on on anger, mm-hmm. it beats the well, authority figure. 
I, I really, adrenaline. I like what he had to say about Krypton being much more interesting than previously thought. It's much better like this than as a utopia, but I also like it as sort of a fascist state that they've had in other things too, which is always interesting. It's still oh, yeah. it's, it's great to see where it's going to go. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this other than the art, which which is unfortunate. I when we got to the ending, the origin omen story with Renato Gatiss, I went, oh, there we go. Mm. Like, that's how this book should look. I like Raimondi, just not, he doesn't fit this particular story. He's not going to be the artist, I don't believe, so this is just a one-time. Batman Confidential number 26, Robbie D. Zwonar, I think I got that right, gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5. Uh, nobody picked this as a pick of the week. Batman Confidential is just plain fun. I hope they don't cancel it. In June, when all the other new bogus Bat titles come out, Confidential is a million times more fun than Outsiders any day of the week. Many exclamation points. It still doesn't have everything that made Legends of the Dark Knight a sure classic, but now it's starting to work with the same elements. This is notable for two two reasons. One, the art from Jose Garcia Lopez with inks by Kevin Nolan was fantastic. Mm. And two, this was the comic book debut of King Tut. Well. Which was awesome. Although he wasn't corpulent like the like the TV show version. He should have just been the TV show version. Really what I was <laughs> looking for. One of my favorite TV villains was King Tut. Other than that. Uh, I can't believe this book is still being published. I can't either. Has Egghead been in the comics yet? Egg, I don't think he has, but Egghead needs to be in the comics as well. Well, that's why this book needs to continue to be printed. Yeah. It's the next arc, Egghead. Clearly. It looked beautiful. The, two, the combination of, these, of, of, of Garcia Lopez and Kevin Nolan is just really strong. It had little elements of both guys' style. It was, you know, it was just a sort of standard Batman adventure. This is the kind of book that satisfies people who are angry at the current status quo. So, so mm-hmm. in that sense, it probably can stick around and they can have their cake and eat it. Well, that's better than it used to be, I guess, because at first it was a confusing mess. Well, really, the first arc was horrible, mostly because the the, the Will Portacio art was uh-huh. was was the worst I've ever seen in a in a mainstream comic. But the story was okay; it was just the art was terrible. And I dropped it till Kevin McGuire came on, so I don't know what happened in intervening issues. But hmm. it was good. It was good really enough. strong. I just wanted—I was happy that King Touch showed up. If you want to write a review, review you go to fanboy.com and go to the comic section. You make your pull list every mon- Monday or all, basically any day, really. Make your pull list, rate and review your books when you read them, and then you can write a review. And if it's good, we'll, we'll showcase it on the show here. And then, uh, then you'll be part of the action. In the meantime, if you wanted to pick up some old comics and trade for them, you go to InStock Trades. They've got them 37% off with free shipping on orders over $50 and over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order with new releases listed every Wednesday and orders that usually ship within 48 hours. It's a great service at www.instocktrades.com. Excellent. We want to check in with the email. So we'll take the uh, the first one from Mike H. Paul, want to read okay. it? Sure. Uh, I was just wondering if any of you guys have ever read any Grendel or Mage. One of my LCS turned me onto, onto them with Devil by the Deed. Have any of you guys read this stuff or any Matt Wagner in general? I've never read Mage. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's one of those books I've always kept. I read a, a little of it a long time ago. Yeah, well, that's the Grendel, my Grendel part. It's I read it in junior high and high school, and I bought it because at first there was a bunch of Batman Grendel crossovers, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I so it kept, worked. Yeah, and I kept buying it because the Matt Wagner art was really, really good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I got the story. I don't know if I was old enough or sophisticated enough at the, that point to get the story. I don't. I couldn't even tell you what happened in any of the stories. I know. I, I know somewhere in the long box, I've got a lot of Grendel comics. Mage is basically, it's like a King Arthur legend, but instead of it being a sword, it's a bat, and he wears a shirt that has a lightning bolt on it like Madman. That's about all I remember. I had some sort of mage action figure at some point. I do remember that. And he came with a duffel bag. (laughs) You could Um, put a bat in the duffel bag. Like Casey Jones. 
Sort of, but he, this one had a removable cloth trench coat. That's pretty cool. I've probably gone too far. Yeah, you know what's funny is that they used to have them in, in really crappy – before anybody had sort of worked out with the best way to do trades – they did them in these little crappy sort of two-issue collections, and I had to buy a bunch of those to get it, and it was just taking too long, and then it was too much stuff, and I guess it didn't capture me enough. But yeah, like he said, like his art was great then. His art's better now. Like Matt Wagner has turned into literally like a modern master, but this is where he sort of cut his teeth, I suppose. And Wagner's done a lot of DC stuff lately that I've read. He did a really good Trinity miniseries. He did a bunch of Batman minis that took place in his first years, and he's writing Zorro right now, which is good. So he's out there. I just... Couldn't tell you what happened in Granville. I, I would like to reread them, but again, they're they're in a box somewhere with the Ark, he, the Ark of the Covenant and everything else in my storage room. He's one of those guys like Robert Altman who just goes and he does anything he wants occasionally, and you're like, how do you make a living? How does it work? But he just gets to do whatever he wants. He makes a living because Grendel's hugely popular amongst his fans. Yeah, okay. Really a lot of people have recommended Grendel to me since I did the Dark Horse column, so I'm going to check that out. It's on my list. It intimidates me because it's like been around for so long. I just figure I'll never get a handle on it without spending a million dollars. Jesse from Owenton, Kentucky writes and says, with the review you had of War of Kings Darkhawk number one, I was wondering what you thought about the reprints that are added to issues. I liked reprinted Darkhawk number one from the 90s for the $3.99 cover price, but I don't like that there are reprints with only 8 to 10 pages of new content for $3.99 or more. For example, Giant Size Hulk or Nova Origins. Also, have you guys heard of the 2099 Time Storm Mini coming out? With this Spider-Man 2099 appearance in Exiles, it seems fans are asking for some kind of 2099 rebirth. What are your thoughts? Let's hit the first one first. I like the reprints at the back. Mostly. There was the Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. couple, not Sentinel of Liberty. That was a different That was an Earth. old mini for a while back. Yeah, that was Mark Wade. Whatever the Captain America one that just came out, the World War II one. Mm-hmm. And there was a reprint in the back of that of a really f- fun Captain America story from, I would assume, the early 90s or mid-90s. I really dug that. And I think it's cool... It's a cool way to show people what old comics were like. You know, they didn't always have to suck and they didn't always have to be silly. I like that. And it's, I mean, if you're paying four bucks for it anyway, and you are, you know what I mean? Like, you're not paying the four bucks. They're not paying for that. They're just trying to think of a way to make it more justifiable, I think. You know, I think it adds good context. I think it should, yes. you know, there's history involved in these books. And like Darkhawk, a lot of people probably didn't read Darkhawk who are reading War of Kings. So, it, you know, this gives you a sense of what the character was when it first started. And I think it's good. It's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't with Marvel and the 399 price point. They can, people complain if they if there's no extras. People complain if there are extras because they don't mm-hmm. like the extras. So they're kind of they're trying to do something to make it worth your while, and it could do worse than showing you the history of these characters that are happening that you may not have read before. Mm-hmm. I think it worked really well on the on the Thor issue this week. Now I don't want to spend five dollars every week on a comic book, but you know this is a rare thing. It's a 600th issue. I think it worked out really well. There's there's also new content in there too with the the new mini Marvel stuff. What did you guys think of the the Punisher number one with the history of the Punisher in the back a couple weeks ago? Um, I know Jimsky hated that. I didn't read it. I think that. Having I get what the point of that is, and I think that it's good for some people and bad for some people, bad for Jim because Jim knew all that stuff. So what's the point? But good, you know, like if if you are picking up the Punisher new, or if God forbid, like me, I I appreciated it because I had never read the Punisher before. It was literally my first ever Punisher comic book. So given the choice, though, Mm. I would rather have an old Punisher story that told me the same thing. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. a Punisher, like a classic Punisher origin issue or something like that. I'd rather read it in comics form than. Although that one was done sort of differently. I think it was like bits of comics with text, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was funny, too. So Okay. Well, that's fine. I didn't read it because I've had enough Punisher. I enjoyed the issue. I got out while I, while I get was good. 
And the question is about the 2099 rebirth. Apparently, Spider-Man 2099 is being collected this year. Thank God. He's been popping up. I really, <laughs> the, the 2099 line was an experiment that didn't all go well, but Spider-Man 2099 was a great comic. Peter David and Rick Leonardi, Spider-Man in the Future. And it was a really fun comic. And I would consider buying the collection because it was really strong. The other books, not so much, but that one was good. I don't think anyone needs the, the line to return, though. No, probably not. I would rather have Batman Beyond as a comic. You do? To be There's honest with you. If, yeah. The giant DC line probably has there somewhere in there. I heard that the Doom was good. Didn't Warren Ellis write the Doom one? I believe so. I don't know. I, was, I wasn't around for that stuff, so. Yeah, that was Ravage 2099, which was written by Stan Lee, and that was not good. That's supposed to be historically bad. I have most of those, but that's not good stuff. But Spider-Man was really good. It was Peter David in the 90s when he was a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Not just creatively, but sales-wise. Cool. If you want to send us an email, you can write to contact at ifanboy.com. Pretty much anything you want that works at that address. Also, we want to thank Netflix for sponsoring the show. Netflix has over 100,000 titles. That's a lot of titles. No late fees, free shipping both ways. Blu-ray titles, which are moving a little faster these days, I've found. Usually you get your stuff within one day both ways. Um, plans start from just four ninety nine. If you want a free two-week trial, go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. All right. It's time for the voicemail. Our first voicemail has a bunch of questions. Dave Collins from Denver, Colorado. Got a quick question. I'm looking at a comic book here, and it's broken up into all sorts of different editors. And, well, I'll, I'll just go through the, the titles here. It's... Um, Production, associate editor, editor, editor in chief, and then publisher. I, I I don't know what the difference between all these jobs were. Maybe I was hoping maybe you guys knew. Thanks. That is a good question, and it's funny because I think I understand most of these fairly well. But I imagine that that there are lots of different companies, and they all do it sort of different ways. But basically, I think how it works is this. And again, feel free to uh, post in the comments if you've seen a different experience. But the editor is going to be the guy who is sort of in charge of the book or a group of books. So he's dealing with it at sort of a manager level where he probably contacts the talent, makes sure people are following their deadlines, you know, does the overall things to make sure that the books get put together and get put out on time. The assistant editor is going to be – usually there's one or two of those below an editor and they are going to make sure that all the nuts and bolts are in place and, and, and all the people need what they have. Have to put the book together and a, a little more of the grunt work. It's kind of a, a similar to in TV. There's a, there's producer and then a s- associate producer. You know they they just do the less fun work, but, but they're you know very involved and very responsible for it. Production are going to be the people that actually put the book together. They make you know the digital files necessary for the printer and make sure that all of the stuff looks the way it's supposed to be and is properly sized and properly you know colored and, and just every, all the pieces are in place and that so that the product that comes out looks the way that you want it to. Editor in chief, he's going to be the guy who oversees everything. That's like Joe Quesada or they don't call Dan Didio that, but that's what he is. I believe he's the executive editor or something like that. You know, he's responsible for more of the overall feel, making sure the line's going in a general direction that they want it to, you know, the the image of the company and the creative direction. He's he's the one steering that boat. The publisher is the person basically who decides what is going to get printed, you know, economically, what's worth it, what books will sell, the one who ultimately decides, you know, what things get canceled. It's a little more of a, a money job, I think, but it's, you know, the boss. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 Dan Buckley is the guy in charge of Marvel. Yeah, and it's funny, like, Joe Quesada is the face, but Dan Buckley is the, you know, the real, he's the one who says yes or no to, to things. You know, especially, like, you know, trades and, and what series keep going and things like that. That's, that's all about the publisher. I think that's everybody, more or less. Then there's interns, they get coffee. What does the receptionist do, Josh? 
she will answer the phone and make Why's sure. I said she. Gosh. I know. I got. Why's I caught myself. That's what I said it. Ah, oh, because I've been to Marvel and they were both women at the reception desk. That's why. That's what I was picturing in my head. But you it doesn't happen. The fifties when listen, kind of women knew it their can place, be. It can be a little gay Indian kid. <laughs> that's Thirty Rock. Anyway, I'm not sure. If, you know what? He's gay on the weeds. He's, so in my mind, Sophie's okay. Yeah. So that's that's it's a good question, and you know, like everybody might do it a little differently. It's entirely possible. Each company has their own thing, but I think that's basically how it works. All right, Matt from Simi Valley, California, called in with a question about writing. Hey guys, it's Matt from Simi Valley, California. I was just curious. I keep seeing people use the phrase "do ex machina" when they're trying to describe something, and I have no idea what that means. So I was just kind of curious if you guys knew what it meant, why it carried that meaning. Just curious. All right, thanks, guys. Deus ex machina is actually a theatrical term, and it's it goes back to like Greek plays where um at the end of a play a god character would come in, like Zeus would come in, and he would resolve the conflict so that the characters involved in the conflict wouldn't have to uh, figure it out organically. So it's basically like a cheap ending. So it, it, it means uh, God in the machine and gets used a lot. And when people say, you know, that's, that's such a deus ex machina in, in this sto- story when the problem, the conflict is resolved in an unorganic, in an inorganic way. So uh, it's like a cheap shortcut and you don't want to do it. See, I don't mind them. I find them good. if they're used well, they're good. They can be good. If it's literally a god coming in and solving it, and there are gods, you know, pre-established in the universe, then fine. I think that that could work. It, there's a funny example in the the movie Dodgeball. The, uh, <laughs> goal, the I goal. did not see the conversation going here. No, no, that it's funny. They win this chest of gold at the end, or whatever. It's the prize for winning, and it actually says Deus Ex Machina on the outside of it. So it's it's like if if you if you go back, I know you have it all. You all have it on DVD, so go put it in, and it's in there. It's like for a little, like a brief frame, and it, it caused me to laugh, and no one around me uh, <laughs> knew what I was laughing about. So uh, yeah, I've been there. That's that's what it is. Thank you for that bit of knowledge you had there. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Greece, so <laughs> I know. I could quote you Antigone right now. I can go right through it. Go for it. Doesn't even matter. If you want to call up and leave a voicemail, you can call at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Try to keep it short, around 30 seconds or so. Make sure you say your name and where you're from if you can. You have exciting news, Josh. I do. I have very exciting news. It's benign. Wait, no, something else. Sorry. Um, that it's was, not mine. It's not mine. <laughs> Two lines. I don't remember. We have some winners for the Coraline giveaways, and I wanted to announce those it's people. First, it's our first big members giveaway, which we're going to be doing throughout the year. For If you're not a fanboy member, you'll be eligible for these giveaways. This is our first one for the Coraline film. It's a prize pack. You get all kinds of fun stuff. Josh has got the winners. Go. Yeah, two groups of people. And the first one will be getting the bigger prize pack, I believe, which includes a video game. You guys will be getting an email from me very soon, so you can send me back where to send stuff, and I will send it to those people, and they'll send it to you. The first is Quentin Duclos. Duclos? I'm saying that name. I know who you are, and I'm sorry, but I got your name wrong. David Farrell and Adrian Zaciona, you won the bigger prize pack. And then the, uh, the lesser one with a book and a bunch of stuff in there is Christopher Jones, Ali Calamaris, and Brian Hess. So uh, congratulations are in order, I think. Um, I'm going to go see Coraline in 3D Wait, now. Paul's seeing it tonight, aren't you, Paul? I'm seeing it tonight, yeah, in 3D. I got my, my 3D glasses from uh, Superman Beyond. 3D. Do you have to bring your own? I don't Probably not, but I'm just going to bring mine anyway. You don't trust theirs. No. Filthy, filthy glasses. I'm like Howie Mandel. I have the, the germophobia. And you're ruining TV as well? No. 
So those are our winners. If you've won the contest, you're not going to be eligible for the, for the next couple. So congratulations to the winners. The next contest is coming up soon. We have the prizes in place. We're just waiting for some confirmation information, but we'll be announcing the next members giveaway very shortly. Yeah, and don't forget that we still have T-shirts available for members. There's the members only the, for the what are we the, the platinum express level? I don't know. It's like a strip club. Yes. You will be getting your iFanboy member T-shirts very very soon. They're they're not not quite ready to go, but as soon as they we are, broke, we will we ship broke them. Up. The machines. <laughs> we, our, uh, the, the the people making our shirts they told uh-huh. us that in the course of making our shirts, their machinery broke. <laughs> so this is not good. Slight delay. We were hoping to have them to send out this week. But but in the course of breaking the machines, I think we've been delayed a week. So hopefully those will be soon. As soon as we get them, we'll let everybody know that they're getting mailed out. But it's an iFanboy Moomber. Shut up. The power of iFanboy <laughs> destroyed machinery like the old saboteurs of the Industrial Revolution. We would be remiss without mentioning the incredible New York Comic Con experience and what a great show uh, we think we've got for you. Two, actually. And also, what a great time that we had. I'm back to speaking. I don't know if you've noticed the mellifluous tones of my voice. Uh, <laughs> you two are still... Recovering. I'm bathing in chicken broth daily. It's, it's, uh, it's arduous. Really met a lot of great people at the party. Like literally, I'm sorry if I didn't have enough time to say hi to everybody. Like I constantly kept seeing people out of the corner of my eye, and I try to go talk and then get another thing, and it was like being at my wedding. But yeah. uh, we would mention people, but we'd forget names. And we'd feel horrible. So just thank you to everyone. Uh, everybody was very nice. It was, it was a great experience. So. You know who you are. I chatted with many of you. No one tried to stab me. I didn't know Daryl was there. No one told me. Yeah, I talked to Daryl. He's not scary at all. It's all a big sham. He doesn't like Bendis, though. (laughs) Um, And then in just a week, two weeks, more cons. uh, WonderCon in San Francisco. We will be there. Will you? I don't know if I will. I I have a feeling my immune system will still be taking a beating by then, which would be a good idea to go into the human disease cesspool that are these cons. Yeah, and San Francisco is a lovely place. Awesome. Anyway, so, I, I got if, so sick there last time. I hate San Francisco now. You can you can support iFanboy by becoming an iFanboy member. As we mentioned before, we've got giveaways and fun stuff for the members and, and all kinds of things. So if you want to do that, there's a $40 a month or $42 a year uh, lower-level membership, which gets you an iFanboy prize pack and a just, com- just there, there, comic there is, book. There is no $40 a month level. Yeah, it was, it's four, right? Yeah, yeah four. That's a, that's a typo, isn't it? Yeah, $4 that is. a month, $42 a year. Blame the script. iFanboy prize pack, or $10 a month, $100 a year, which gives you the prize pack, a random comic book, and a special edition iFanboy members t-shirt, which is so powerful, it destroys machines. Yeah. you like Ron Burgundy. He'll read whatever's in front of him. Exactly. So if you want to help us out, it's a really good thing to do. We really appreciate you becoming iFanboy members. Giveaways are going to be happening fast and furious. We've got two or three lined up, ready to go, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, Josh will give you a lap dance if he sees you. Yeah, sure, whatever. Go to ifanboy.com and, and read the Pick of the Week review as written, and then uh, you can look at all the other stuff. There's new stuff that comes out every day. Some weeks are lighter than others, but we're all back on track next week. This con really killed us. That's what you need to know. But wonderful people like Paul here kept the flame going. I don't know how you got a piece out, but nice work. I you, did two, you did two this week. Was, I was, was excited about the Lobster Johnson pulp. That's very exciting. Abuse of power on my end. Fan, fantastic con- content going out there every day, and you can go pick your books and do all that stuff and talk about each book that comes out each week. You should go there because it's, it's good. While you're there, you go to ifanboy.com slash store. That's where you can find the membership info as well as the iFanboy Limited Edition t-shirt, which is something you might want to get in time for what, the Watchmen film. I don't know why you would. It's not related The Watchmen movie film? Watch a movie film. It's not at all related to the film, but something you might want. I don't no, know, just randomly. it's weird. 
it's so antithetical that if you were to wear it there, people would be like, what are you wearing that for? It'd be like wearing a, a cowboy hat to a, to a rodeo. Oh, no, that would be all oh, right. I'll go with Banditas. So you can get that at fanboy.com slash store. You can also go to fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find the listings for all the books we talk about on the video show, as well as the link to the uh, Amazon through there. It helps us out if you go there, if you're going to shop on Amazon, and you're going to buy like 10 or 12 Kindles, then you can go (laughs) through fanboy.com slash Amazon and help us out. If that thing was color, it would be the most wonderful thing ever made. I don't know. They're stupid. Why wouldn't they do that? That's fine now. Anyway, there's a video show every Wednesday, in theory, which you can get from revision3.com slash iFanboy. This past week, we did romance comics. That was a good show. I really like the romance show, by the way. Not that that, you know, appropriate of nothing. My Ap- something's going up. Apropos. Just as I did that, I started leaning on the thing that turned my volume up, and it got very loud in my ear at that moment, so I couldn't concentrate. This next week will be part one of the newly decided two-part New York Comic Con show. We got so much stuff that we can't not fit it into just one show. So with any luck, you'll actually see that this Wednesday. Yeah, that was the, the best two I can shows do. you see, actually. <laughs> iFanboy is available on TiVo, the aforementioned iFanboy video show. If you've got TiVo, that's the way to watch it, on your TV, iFanboy. You can get an iFanboy internship. Shirt? Ship? Internship. <laughs> the ship of interns. The intern shirt, which says I fanboy on the back, an intern on the back. Uh, Jesus. I'm useless today. You're not, I'm not a even, sick one. Sick. I know. It's weird. Those are available at revision3.com slash store. The shirts are fifteen ninety nine, and they're going. There's not, there's not many left. Maybe They've been around for a bit. Can we get out of this damn show? You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. You can call us 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Leave us a message. We might use those on this show or on the video show, or we might just play it to each other and giggle. Listen, the Internet is where you should be living your life. Anybody who's out there not on the Internet and you think you're living a life, you're not. In which case, follow us and talk to us on the Internet through such places as Twitter and Facebook and Comic Space and, and those kind of things. I, there's still a MySpace page up there, but it's like a, it's like a digital graveyard. You can go to ifanboy.com slash about to get all the links for that stuff. And finally, if you like this show or the video show, you can leave us a iTunes review, which helps people find the show when they're looking for comic book shows to watch and really appreciate it. And it's even better than that is to tell your comic book store friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your stepdad, tell your third stepdad, tell all those people about iFanboy. I, I have yeah. a third stepdad. I know. His name is Eric. <laughs> tell Eric. <laughs> Eric was on Oprah. Why? Because, because his shit was fucked up. That's why. You don't want your stepdad on Oprah. That's usually a bad thing. It was after me. I mean, like, he'd already left, but, like, anyway, I've probably said too much. Did you tell, did you tell Eric about, about this show? No, this would that would be this was long. I haven't talked to Eric in years. Are you ashamed of us? What? I don't talk to him. I don't even know him. Well, you anyway. should drop him an email. Tell him about the show. I don't know his email. Actually, I might. This would be a great way to connect. <sighs> this is turning to something he, completely different. You can tell Oprah. I was just trying to make a joke about having a third stepdad, and then all of a sudden, I've got this emotional intervention going on, <laughs> and for, I, for one, I don't appreciate it. Maybe you can be a part of the book club. Oh, my mom loves those books. Anyway, that's a show, I think. That's more than a show. That's more than you bargained for. I'm so tired. Oh, no. You know what? No one cares, you whining bastard. I'm sick. Yeah, he's been sick for a long time. He's got, uh, I don't know, Munchausen. What do you got? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I have. I've got postpartum depression. (laughs) My chicken broth is getting cold. I need to. (laughs) How is that for your skin? Is that really moisturized? I'm looking a little yellowish. (laughs) He's a jaundice. There are cats stacked cats. outside the window. <laughs> Following me down the street. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Connor. I'm P-Money. You are not. I'm J-Lo. So, yeah. <laughs>
I have too. You really, you really adopted P Money. <laughs> a guy gave me that name at New York Comic Con last year. I bought his rap CD. He said he did, and he said, "What's your name?" And I said, "It's Paul." Ma-, and then he didn't let me finish. I said, "No, I don't like that name. You're P Money now." And he signed it to P Money. I still have it. It's on my mantelpiece. Paul has goddamn lived it. That's what he's done. <laughs> he's more that he's like this is the, like the sting moment in your life. It's not golden anymore. It's sting. All right, I'm gonna call you P Money from now on. All right. Do it. <laughs>